Good morning. Topic this morning is on Christmas prophecies, the coming of Christ. Um, last time I spoke, it was on widows and booze, if you remember. Uh, at that time, I knew little about widows and probably too much about booze. Um, this time, I felt I had nothing. So uh, it was a good experience, though. Um, people devote their entire lives to the study of prophecy. And... I don't think that I'm adequate on it, but uh, in studying this week, I'm, I'm getting better. So follow with me if you can. <laughs> I'll start with prayer. Jesus, make your spirit shine here this morning. Fill any gaps and give us ears to hear your words. Amen. There were at least 108 prophecies of the birth of Christ. 108. All of them were fulfilled. God gives us prophecy to show us that he's God. That Jesus is his son. Beyond a shadow of a doubt. Prophecy gives us direction. It confirms God's will and shows his faith isn't in vain. You'll be glad to know that I'm only going to read a few, not all 108 today. Like I said, people have devoted their lives to the interpretation of prophecy. I'm more or less just going to scratch the surface today. Isaiah 7:14 says, Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and shall call his name Emmanuel. Matthew confirmed this in prophecy. In Matthew chapter 1, verse 21 to 23, he writes, She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and you should call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. Going much further back, Genesis 49.10 says, The scepter shall not depart from Judah, nor the ruler's staff from between his feet, until Shiloh comes. And to him shall be the obedient of the peoples. The line of Judah, where David comes from, is the lineage of Christ, or Shiloh. It's saying that Jesus is to come from this bloodline. We can read in the genealogy of Matthew, um, that he, in fact, did come from that line of Judah. Micah 5.2. But as for you, Bethlehem Ephrathah, I took all week trying to learn how to pronounce that, so. Too little to be among the clans of Judah. From you, one will go forth from me for me to be ruler in Israel. His goings forth are from long ago, from the days of eternity. This is speaking plainly of Jesus, who in the beginning was the word, came from the days of eternity. Bethlehem Ephrathah is a very specific location. In fact, there were two Bethlehems uh, at the time, and this is speaking of the one near Jerusalem. Micah, Micah was prophesying this 700 years before 
the birth of Christ. Out of two cities, he specifically said which one. Out of all the world, he specifically said which one. Numbers 24-17. Balaam prophesying, I see him, but not now. I behold him, but not near. A star shall come forth from Jacob. A scepter shall rise from Israel and shall crush through the forehead of Moab and tear down all the sons of Sheth. This was almost 1,300 years before Christ, before the death of Moses. Psalm 72, 10 through 11. Let the kings of Tarshish and the, of the islands bring presents. The kings of Sheba and Seba offer gifts. And let all things bow down before him. All nations serve him. This was fulfilled when the wise men came bearing gifts. And why we still give gifts today at Christmas time. Jeremiah 31:15, written 600 years before Christ. Thus says the Lord, a voice is heard in Rama, lamentation and weeping, bitter weeping. Rachel is weeping for her children. She refuses to be comforted for her children because they are no more. And we know Herod was told that Messiah would be born in the land of Bethlehem. In response, he ordered the death of every child, every male child, age two and younger. In the land of Rama, or Bethlehem, Rachel weeping for her children because they were all murdered by Herod. Predicted 600 years before. Whoever holds the scepter, the ruler, the king, has the power to make laws, also has the power to execute people. And at this time, and for hundreds of years later, uh, execution was carried out by stoning. Nowadays, we use injection or electricity. The Jews held this power for hundreds of years until the Romans took it away from them. They did not stone people, the Romans did just as Jesus is entering the scene, this power was taken from them. To execute prisoners, they would now have to ask the permission of the Romans to carry it out. And they used a completely different method. Psalms 22, written by David a thousand years before Christ. And I encourage all of you to read Psalms 22 this week. This spoke to me in lots of different ways, and I'm not going to read the whole thing, but I'll pick some parts out. Uh, but there was a lot of parts that I didn't include, so read Psalms 22 this week if you can. Verse 16, For dogs encompass me, a company of evildoers encircles me. They have pierced my hands and feet. Not stoning. I can count all my bones, and they stare and gloat over me. They divide my garments among them, and for my clothing, they cast lots. And so Jesus died. Romans pierced his hands and feet. That was true. Nailing him to the cross, fulfilling a 1,000-year-old prophecy, 
to the letter. <clears throat> the soldiers casted lots for his clothing as well. Daniel 9 is the prophecy of the 70 weeks of years given to Daniel by angel Gabriel. After seven sevens and 62 sevens, or 483 years, the Messiah will be cut off, executed. This time was to start when a command was given to rebuild Jerusalem and its walls. Christ was killed right on time. There's a famous mathematician uh, named Peter Stoner who calculated the probability of uh, all this happening. And out of 108 prophecies, he just chose eight prophecies to see what the probability of that would be. He figured out that it would be 1 in 10 to the 17th power. Anybody understand that? 1 in 10 to the 17th, I don't know. It's, it's 1 with 17 zeros after it. And try to dumb it down for me. Um, I'll get to it. He said that if you took the entire state of Texas and filled it with two feet of quarters and you picked just one quarter, put a mark on it, and put it somewhere in the mix across the state of Texas. Anybody ever driven, driven through Texas? It takes like an eternity just to get through Texas, let alone pick a quarter out of two feet deep across the whole state. Um, he said, if you took a blind man, dumped him in Texas, and had him pick just one quarter, he had to dig, whatever, uh, that him picking up the first quarter and that being the one with the mark, that is the probability of just those eight prophecies coming true. Just for fun, I divided this number by our $17.8 trillion national debt. Another number I can't comprehend, but it's a little bit smaller. It's more than 5,600 times our national debt. That's the probability. Big number. This is the proof we have in prophecy. That we have the right God. That Jesus was God. It couldn't be anyone else. There's 8,352 verses in the Bible, or about one-third, is all recorded prophecy. Why isn't it more prevalent in our lives today? Do people still prophesize? Is it one of our spiritual gifts? Unfortunately for me, when I think of prophecy, a lot of times I think of the guys on TV. You know, setting dates for the coming of Christ, and then when it doesn't happen, they revise it and set another date. And I think that's of the devil, isn't it? They do it in exchange for blessings. Send us money, and we'll, we'll bless you, and we'll give you another prophecy. I didn't do that. Yeah. <laughs> This is how Satan works. He takes prophecy, an extremely important part of our Christian life, and he turns it into something that looks like heresy. So now when we hear prophecy, it's like, oh, that's heresy. He's trying his best to disprove what God does. If he can get people to totally 
disregard prophecy, he can get us to disregard a third of the Bible. I bet most of us could tell of a time when God spoke to us. Now, we don't have to predict thousands of years. I'm talking tomorrow. Um, told us to speak up or to wait. Told us everything's going to be okay. Or maybe he was preparing us for a time when we're going to face disaster. When my dad lost his arm on a motorcycle years ago, I knew he was hurt long before the phone call. My mom did too. She went out looking for him. I felt it before he left. I didn't say anything. I thought he was going to die. So when I heard that he'd lost his arm, it was a relief. I was prepared. A couple years ago, God gave me a dream. It was a memory of my birth and life in the womb. Really, really weird. In the womb, there was a feeling of peace just existing. Then the memory of horror taking my first breath. In reading Psalm 22 this week, I saw that David might have had the same experience. In verses 9 through 11, he writes, Yet you are he who took me from the womb. You made me trust you at my mother's breasts. On you I was cast from my birth, and from my mother's womb you have been my God. Be not far from me, for trouble is near, and there is none to help. In the memory of that first breath, I felt how near that trouble was. That really solidified my view on abortion, remembering how the safety I felt in the womb at a time we now know that it's not guaranteed. That I existed before my birth in a place free of worry. I've had several other experiences too. We'll get into all of them. And I'll hopefully have more in the future. The Holy Spirit is alive and well in us. And asking Him to guide our future, He sometimes helps us see far enough down the path to know where the next step is. Missionaries experience this all the time. What country they're supposed to go to. I've had these experiences, but they've been spread out over 20-some years. Um, so I forget them. And when I do, my faith gets weaker. I don't hear God every day. I ask questions I don't feel I get an answer to sometimes, probably more often than not. Is that normal? Sure. When I need to know, he tells me. When I ask the right question, he gives me an answer. When I'm not pig-headed and I give up my will, uh, I feel his presence. I think the same is true for the Bible, the proof of the Bible. It's right there in front of us. 
But we need to study it. Add up all the, the proof. Add up all the prophecies. To know God is who he said he is. It would have been nice to have a book that lumped all these things together, all the prophecies, and just summed it all up nice and neat. Uh, but it's written like it happened, when it happened. So it's, it's in there, but it's spread out. You need to search for it. You need to add them up. I'm making a list for myself of times I've been blessed with prophecy, uh, the dreams, visions, all the things that have given me direction, miracles. Or a kick in the butt. Some of which is really personal. I may never share it. You might have experienced this already too, or maybe you will in the future. But add these things up. They're a source of faith. They're proof that God is getting through to us, that he's near us, he's with us. You ever wonder what it would have been like to live in Old Testament times? I have many times throughout the years. Um, I knew I was in the Bible and I'm being written about, you know, when I've done things differently, when I've studied harder, when I've dug deeper, when I've worked for God more, you know, when I've lasted 40 years in the desert, could I have been a slave in Egypt and trusted God? But now I'm seeing this story isn't over. Each of us is making history right now. What did Moses' Bible look like? It's a lot thinner than ours today, wasn't it? Still being written. Wasn't a bit of New Testament before Jesus, right? There are lots of prophecies yet to come true. There's a third and final section being written today, right now. We're living it. You're in the Bible. So count your blessings, miracles, prophecies. Build your faith by listing them one by one. Share them with others. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your son, for letting us know of his arrival thousands of years before he was born, and for thousands of years before his return. Please let us be in tune with your Holy Spirit. Give us ears to hear and eyes to see what lies ahead what direction you want us to go. Don't let our feelings dictate your will. But teach us to discern your voice, to know your will. Amen. Please stand if you are able and join us.